0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ainsley Hooper Chats With. This podcast is by me, Ainsley Hooper, your host. Each week I chat with individuals who all have a lived experience of disability, including myself, but all have our own life stories, life journeys, and are all doing our own thing. So this podcast aims to break down stereotypes that people with disabilities are two-dimensional and highlights many things that we are all doing, going on in our life. So now please help me uh, welcome this week's guest, Nikki Hind. Nikki, welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me, Angelie. Thank you. So Nikki, can you please introduce yourself and
1: just let everyone know what you do? I can, yes. I'm Nikki Hind. I'm apparently Australia's first blind fashion designer and I have a label called Blind Grit, which is built entirely of and around those who live with disability. So all the Fabulous, aspirational, fun, creative jobs that sit behind the creation of a fashion label are done by those who live with disability, and I certainly include mental health within that. So the the modelling, the photography, the hair, the makeup, the styling, obviously the designing of the garments themselves, the um, social media, graphic design. There are so many. Uh, wonderful, aspirational, creative positions that sit behind the what what you what you see when you see a fashion label.
0: Wow, interesting. So, do can, can you mind just explaining just a little bit about your um, your experience um with do you say blindness or vision impairment? How do you word it?
1: Oh, it's funny because I would I I always feel a little uncomfortable saying Australia's first blind fashion designer. Okay. However, it was Vision Australia who declared me as such and those within the um vision impairment community that's what they that's what they say, that's what they call me, that's how they describe themselves, myself and others mm-hmm. within that community. That either you're blind or you're not. Right. I Always feel a little more comfortable saying I'm Australia's first legally blind fashion designer because right. um, I I do have a level of vision
0: mm-hmm.
1: as do the by far the majority of people who are who are blind. Right. Um, so yeah, I I tend to call my so I I use both intermittently. You'll see it written. I'll tend to write I'm Australia's first legally blind fashion designer. Um, but I do, by the same token, although it makes me feel ever so slightly, um, I guess that imposter syndrome. Like, but I can, I do have some level of vision. Mm-hmm. I, I embrace what it is too. My vision is not at all um, what most people would experience as, as, as vision. So, so. Mm-hmm. I'm also more than happy to, to, to embrace that. And as I say, that by far the majority of people with vision impairment who are blind mm-hmm. have a level of sight. Like okay. Myself. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting
0: um, because I've, <clears throat> I find, yeah, I find the whole language thing around disability interesting. Um like... Because we've all sort of got our own ways of expressing things, and there's this um, stigma, I guess, out in like in when you see discussions in the disability spaces, there's stigma out saying, oh, "Well, you shouldn't use that language, you shouldn't use this language." But and yeah, I think it gets people very scared about the about approaching topics. It's um, just,
1: yeah. I strongly agree with you. Ainsley and I and I guess um, like with any, excuse me. With dog. any, <laughs> hello, doggy. With any social issue, um, you know, it's nice for it to be for people to be coming at it with different strengths and positions and skill sets. And certainly, I when I communicate about disability in myself and and within the disability community. I am very much. Um, I I don't mind really the language that is used. It, it's the motivation that um, mm-hmm. that I care about and that I tend to hear. And I guess a perfect example is is children. Y- you know, mm-hmm. children ask the most wonderful questions th- that would be labelled. Dreadfully um, politically incorrect and offensive if mm-hmm. asked by an adult, but it comes from just just genuine interest in oh wow that's that's different yeah. and I want to understand it. And this is exactly what I want to understand: why are you in a wheelchair? Why is your mm-hmm. eye like that? Why is mm. it you know just blatant? But and that that is beautiful that childlike desire to. Mm. To notice, know, and understand is is delightful, but of course, it comes from a lovely motivation. Yeah, so I'm somebody who, who, who certainly feels that that freeing up the ability to use whatever language you like mm-hmm. actually enhances um enhances the communication around it, enhances understanding around it, mm-hmm. um, and and that it's. That, that, that the much more important focus would be on the motivation that that language comes from, not, not the language in and of its, itself. And I think people do get very frightened of, oh, God, I don't know what to say mm-hmm. um, because I don't want to offend anybody. Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. See, I, I'm thinking, like, um I remember I was at a voting booth, um, one of the, the elections, and a little boy came up to me because his mum was at the next booth and he came up to me and he was about maybe three or four. And he just, he said to me, excuse me, why are you in a wheelchair? And his mum was horrified. And I just thought to me, the way he said it was just so cute that I had no problem yeah. answering him. But it's interesting because yeah. like, yeah, if, if an adult came and said that, you, I would be offended because it's a stranger coming up to me. But the, and in my head, I, I go, why is that? Like a, a child can come and do it. Um, but an adult, so if, if an adult did it, it would be inappropriate. Um but yeah, because and, and what, you
1: and sorry, Angela, you would actually feel that, would you? You would feel that, oh don't don't ask it outright like that. And again, yeah, I, I you yeah. know, I I have what I describe as an invisible disability, as in mm-hmm. when I walk down the street, yeah, people don't see me mm. and and think oh look at the legally blind girl because mm-hmm. I don't use a stick I don't use a dog I should mm. use a stick <laughs> right? <yep. laughs> yes. I'm a shocker I don't <laughs> and I don't have a doggy yet um mm-hmm. but but so uh, that's really that's really interesting to yeah. me because I would not be offended and if ever I tell people down the street mm. that I'm legally blind mm-hmm. and they ask something like oh you know yeah I'm never offended um but then again, I have a very different experience to you in yeah. that I don't have to deal with every time anybody sees me, the first thing they see is I think that's disability. what it is.
0: I, I, yeah. yeah, and it's funny because, like, I've been thinking in my head as we're having this discussion, why is it okay for a little boy to say it mm. and not for an adult? And I think it's because of that, um, yeah, I mean, it probably comes from a, a bunch of social things that have happened over the years. And i um, like, I'm totally fine with like somebody who's um, had uh, rapport with me to finally, yeah. to finally ask that, that that's no problem at all. Like, so, um, but yeah, if it's a stranger just coming up all of a sudden, I'm just like, uh, what? Like, yeah, that, that kind of thing. So yeah. Like for, like for, for me, I've got a spina bifida. Um, so I've been in a wheelchair all my life so uh, with you with yourself like has, has it been a g- degenerative thing or uh, in your situation? No, no
1: I was actually born legally blind in one eye mm-hmm. but I guess I had enough vision that I certainly didn't pick it up and others didn't pick it up um, because I guess I could do the majority of stuff I certainly wasn't Good at reading or sport. I was like <laughs> I can't see a ball coming mm. and the balls would hit me in the face and things. But my family who are quite sporty on the whole, I think just thought, oh what a what a dud. Mm. <laughs> this one's crap at sport. Mm. And they're also quite prolific readers. So mm. there was that sense of, oh my God, I'm not really very good at sport and reading like the rest of the family. And they were things that were very valued in the in the family mm. as well. Um, and it was discovered, I don't know if they still do it, but the nurses that would come around to the school and do various checks, and one of the things they would do is, is the vision check with the mm-hmm. board with A up the top. Oh, and, yes. You know, and they mm-hmm. covered covered um, covered my right eye and I could see the board Because it was lit up, Mm. but that was it. Um, You know, so I mean, there's really no vision at all in my left eye. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they patched it and had lovely big Coke bottle glasses, and I couldn't see anything. They were trying to strengthen that eye Mm because I was still young and I couldn't see anything on the board, couldn't see anything in the playground. I walked into a horse once, just Mm. smack into the horse, couldn't see like I just can't see anything. But then when they gave up that and took the patch off, I guess I was still because I had quite good vision in the other eye and it was just how I had it's what the world had looked like to me since birth anyway mm-hmm. and I was good enough at getting around in the world. So it was kind of pretty much forgotten yep. really. Yep. Um, and then when I was um, pregnant with my beautiful Firstborn, who you met just before we started this interview, mm-hmm. see who's now fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a stroke, right. and that killed a part of the brain that um, processes the vision. Okay. So uh, it it killed fifty percent of the field of vision in both eyes. Of course, made not much difference to the left one. I can't, doesn't work it anyway. Mm. Um, but I now, so I can now see out of the inside half of my right eye.
0: Okay.
1: Um, but, of course, you know, I've got no peripheral vision. I don't have speed or depth perception. Mm-hmm. I can focus, and I can actually focus on detail, but just for a Split split second, I, I try and describe it to people as in it's it's almost like trying to get a hold of something that's in a dream. You know, when you're dreaming and mm-hmm. you, it's like you know exactly visually what's around you. Mm-hmm. But then if ever you try and focus in on something, it you can't, you can't get a hold of it, like holding right. wet sand. You can't, you can't capture it, you can't get a hold of it. Um so yeah, just kind of ne- negotiate because I, I think I still rely very heavily on my vision mm-hmm. when negotiating the world mm-hmm. because it's what I did, what I have been doing most of my life until a stroke in mid-adulthood
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's very, very tiring. I wish, sometimes I wish that I would just get better at wearing the dark glasses mm-hmm. and resting my eyes because it's very, very hard for them to cope, and then it's draining on the rest of your body, and you know, you get headaches and nausea, and it's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just outright exhausting. But I guess you know, you can't. It's difficult to teach an old dog new tricks. I'm mm-hmm. very reliant because I read things rather than using um, what is it, text to audio, audio, yeah. to, I don't even know what the name of it is, you know. And I, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm trying to think what it is now. Your yeah. audio to
1: text, text to audio thing. I know what you mean. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. I should be using stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It would be very helpful, but I don't because it still feels quicker and easier. Like mm-hmm. training a new Nikki. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent so much of my learning life doing it one way, mm-hmm. and I'm a very visual person. <laughs> very visual person which is very funny for a legally blind girl <laughs> well yeah I mean for me it was fascinating when I I learned the
0: like I, I knew you were in the fashion space and then I learned about being blind and I'm and obviously I'm very curious about that because yeah, you know, I'm wondering how, how well I guess you've just adapted to it but how did you get into that and and where can people see examples
1: of your work because it just it's fascinating well firstly people can see examples of um my work and i'll describe it as our work i might be the one designing the garments but Mm -hmm. you'll see all our awesome models and um the incredible young man who created our logo and our social media manager all their stories are on our website um if you just type in blind grit i'm will be the first thing that comes up happily I seem to have created a term Mm -hmm. (laughs) that hasn't been used isn't a movie um so so it's it's fabulous blind grit if you type that in should be the first we should be the first thing that comes up but it is just www.blindgrit.com so no uh so if you look on there and then there's links to our Instagram which is one um, run by um, the fabulous blind Debbie Larson Um, she is a superstar and on the website there's um, and my LinkedIn profile there's some great video footage of her because she was interviewed by Nine News at last year's Melbourne Fashion Week when we were there Um, yeah so all those all those stories are there that's where you can find not only the designs that I've created thus far and I have to say there's been a huge pause on that this year, like there's been a huge pause mm. and sadly it was going to be Blind Grit's first collection because oh. I created some fashion before I um, came up with the business model and the idea of Blind Grit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there's more to come. Once the first collection is released, I think they'll be the second, third, fourth, fifth. Because nice. <laughs> there's been a massive delay, mm-hmm. um, partly my choice because i want to do it properly it Mm -hmm. deserves to be done properly with all our fab blind grit team that is what blind grit is about Mm -hmm. i could selfishly go oh i've created them all and here's some photos of it on me Mm -hmm. but i want to do it the blind grit way i want to do it properly so i'm waiting but it's you know there's been a lot of effort, love, energy put into it, so it's worth the wait. So that's where you'll find not only my designs but also our awesome team and what Blind Grid is about. Mm -hmm. And so far as how did I get into fashion, um, when I was younger, as a teenager, that was, you know, everyone always has that kind of happy creative place they go to in their mind when they're daydreaming. It might be sport for some, dancing, writing, drawing, I don't know. For me it was fashion design, just constantly designing fashion in my head Um, but i thought that was a really unpractical thing to pursue Uh, so i just pursued more practical things i was actually a masseuse for a really long time and um, then i was i I love public relations i love the power of public relations unfortunately Mm -hmm. i think 98% 98% of it gets used to make already wealthy people even more wealthy. Mm-hmm. But there is awesome power in public relations and I really, really love public relations. So I studied public relations and um, and research. I love research. You know, the, the quality of the outcome, so long as it's a good motivation in the outcome, it can only be properly informed with, with good research. So mm-hmm. I, I also did post grad in um, qualitative and quantitative research. Oh, love it. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. it. I, I love good qualitative research. Mm-hmm. It's so vital. It then of course has to be used. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it 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 fascinates me. So I, I love all that stuff and I work for the Australian Red Cross and the Australian Red Cross Blood Service. So I always had a really strong passion around um, I guess equity. Mm-hmm. I feel very I'm I'm absolutely driven by equity and I, I, I found a little my mum did actually she found a little note I wrote of my goals for growing up when mm-hmm. I was 12 or something mm-hmm. and I didn't quite have the right um, jargon for it but, but on there is essentially um, social justice and, and equity. It's mm-hmm. also fashion design and amusingly being slightly the word slightly or a little bit or something a little bit famous for fashion design nice <laughs> oh, i love it it's wow. so funny in my little dodgy handwriting mm-hmm. but but i um i've always felt um very driven by equity mm-hmm. um inequality and injustice and mm-hmm. unfairness inequity social inequity breaks my heart mm-hmm um and to me it is just a glaring no brainer that the more equity the better individually socially you know I just mm. so I'm that's what absolutely drives me in life yeah. equity, equality and um, I guess fashion design is is what um, is my happy creative energy. Mm-hmm. So Blind Grit was a very deliberate um, okay. effort at putting those two things together after <clears throat> an it. Expect- so it was after I lost my vision okay. and there had been, um, not just in that period of time, but there had kind of been a building up of um, uh, traumatic events throughout my childhood and young adulthood and, th- and then... Th- things that happened in the breakdown of my marriage that left me in a situation after I lost my vision of being a legally blind single mum with these two divine little boys Mm -hmm. they were only little they were one and three Mm -hmm. uh, who was socially isolated struggling with the effects of post-traumatic stress financially ruined it was really hard it was dark it was heavy I felt broken lost myself in terms of lost all those kind of joyous like strengths and yeah so so that's where it was born from that that place of I don't, I don't want to be here but mm-hmm. um, even more so I don't want to be here with my children mm-hmm. um, so it was a real it was a very deliberate I am not I have no intention of raising these children mm-hmm. as a Broken, unconfident, unjoyous, um, heavy mum—not mm. who I was, and that was not what I was going to give them. It's mm-hmm. not yeah. good. So it was a—that's where blind grit was was born from. So it was quite an intuitive, um, in hindsight, reaching for that um, approach motivation that was strong enough to counteract that avoidance motivation. Mm-hmm in hindsight, but it was quite intuitive at the time. So I reached for an aspiration, a goal, and that was fashion design for me. And, and Blind Grit is built around um is built around that. I won an ING Dream Starter scholarship for the business model of Blind Grit in 2017, I think. Right. Um, or I can't even remember. The years blend in a little bit. Because mm-hmm. it, it's built around my strong belief that the combination of aspiration, validation, and motivation is really, really powerful in connecting with and releasing the incredible, again, power and potential in survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people who, who survive trauma and people who live with disability have that. So, so that's, that's what Blind Grid is, is built about. That's where it comes from.
0: Wow, no, I love that. Absolutely love it. So, when um, I guess when you're designing clothes, um, <clears throat> I know because, like you've obviously you've you, as you've spoken about, you've adapted to things just through life. Um, are there any particular I guess like gadget, gadgets or whatever that you need to utilize to in the, the design process um, to assist you, or just
1: you just wing it? Well, it's interesting because the journey of trying to create Blind Grit has taught me very strongly what that is. There Mm. wasn't to begin with um, because there's a huge difference between designing clothes and the business
0: Mm.
1: of creating a fashion label. Okay. You know, designing Mm. clothes and even creating those clothes is Mm. one thing, Mm -hmm. creating a sustainable business and a fashion label um that that's a very different thing a very business Mm -hmm. driven thing and happily I love business and public relations and systems and business systems and all those things I I do really love that uh I there has been a ridiculous People ask me all the time, what is the hardest thing about being a blind fashion designer? I guess I'm curious about that too, yeah. And honestly, the hardest thing I, the thing that is most getting in my way, sorry, it's not necessarily the hardest thing, but the Mm. thing that is most getting in Blind Grit's way currently of steaming forward Mm. is the ridiculous um, difficulty in having, in developing an ethical sustainable affordable manufacturing chain preferably in australia but in general i would like to do it in australia that would mm-hmm. be great and i mean that is a there's a massive whole other discussion that does my head in because again mm-hmm. the power the power that the fashion industry holds in mm-hmm. being able to create really great things in global society you know they are a huge employer Mm -hmm. huge um and there is a lot of power there and it's used not only very poorly but on the whole really abusively you know Mm. so annoying it is so annoying you know there is still either outright slavery on or stuff that's verging on slavery for 90 percent of that industry Mm -hmm. and then the top percent that you see their faces you know the overpaid models and the overpaid public relations people and the overpaid you know those people at the top of the brand who Mm -hmm. just get paid to pay themselves and get paid a ridiculous amount anyway as you can tell there are there I go with my equity stuff again Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of power Mm -hmm. in that and Mm -hmm. it's and it's not it's not used well yeah so You know, and I don't want to be part of that. No, I have no desire in blind Grits manufacturing chain being part of that. And mm-hmm. it's so, it's so difficult. So that is by far, from a business perspective, the thing that's getting in our way. Yeah. Currently, um, however, I guess the thing that, the thing that would assist the most in, in moving forward there. Because I can do um, I can do pattern making. Mm-hmm. That's what I went back cave to do when I decided I'm going to give this a go. I wanted to learn the skills to get the designs that I'm constantly having up here mm-hmm. into actual clothes. Yeah. So you know, and pattern making obviously is one of the absolute key ones there. So I can do it, um, but it's again, it, it takes incredible you. you at the moment unless you outsource it to somebody who's not necessarily terribly ethical overseas because there there's almost none of it here in australia and there's a bit of a bit of a monopoly with just one organisation which i've found quite toxic so to what deal do you with. mean there's not much of it here what what part are you talking about not here it's the sample making and the pattern making mm-hmm. and of course the manufacturing but right. the, yeah so the the, the pattern making the school making and then the manufacturing because you can't just have cardboard patterns cuz mm-hmm. that's how you traditionally make a pattern and that's how the person who does it here in australia still does it but then of course they have the software to turn turn it into electronic patterns and electronic detailed specs specifications mm-hmm. are you know a millimeter fold here and this you know all the incredible detail and you need all that um, done in a very precise electronic format, and mm-hmm. then sized from that electronically for a manufacturer to work from it. That mm-hmm. you can't just turn up with cardboard patterns, which is what my first collection was right. created out of cardboard patterns because that's the old-fashioned way of making. Okay. Um. And it. It's really difficult for me. I'm very, very slow at it and I got the help of a wonderful um, European tailor, an exquisite tailor who lived near me. I wanted to do it, but I wanted to do it with somebody for that first collection that I did. And so years ago, not the not Blind Grit's first collection, my first collection. But the I, I can't do it myself because just, you know, a millimetre, here and there just makes a ridiculous difference when you're creating patterns to the way something sits or feels or whatever. So what I have discovered and what I'm going to do moving forward is some fabulous new technology that's been around a little while but is now being more um, uh, user-friendly for individuals rather than the massive, you know, it'll be what the manufacturers in China have been using for a long time but Mm -hmm. fabulous um, technology that you can create the patterns in this um, computer platform so you can zoom in and out so a millimeter, which is mm-hmm. very difficult for me, can be mm-hmm. zoomed out on the screen to like 30 centimeters if I want. And you can, wow. you know. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. So I'll be, yeah. yeah. So I'll be able to do the pattern making myself on there. And I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Whereas I haven't, that is something that I haven't been able to do purely visually mm-hmm. with the old fashioned way of cardboard. So you still have to know how to do pattern making. Mm-hmm but you can do it on screen and you can zoom in and out and also fabrics. I don't always see the, um, I can't always tell which side is which unless there's a pattern on it mm-hmm. and you can send your fabrics into um, the people who create this software and they can tell all sorts of awesome things that are wow. crucial to me, like the, mm-hmm. the, the stretch, how they wash the, all these things, but they also can tell you if you've, got the right side there Mm -hmm. which I can't always say and again if I can put it on screen and zoom it in and out I'll be able to see which side is the right side I just can't because I've got no depth perception I don't always see that right if if there's no pattern on it obviously if there's a pattern on one side it's it's pretty obvious to me but if it's monochrome monocolor um and there's not a really distinct different text um visual difference on one side then I don't always know which side is which wow. sometimes I can feel it sometimes yeah. I can't um and sometimes I use fabrics inside out mm-hmm. purposely because that's just how I like the feel of it um yeah. on, on how it sits on your body yeah people go it's the wrong way around I don't care it feels that, nice this way <laughs> that always <laughs> that always throws me um because I mean
0: yeah I, I'm I'm used to things being, like, I've got OCD, so I'm used to things being a particular way. And, yeah, and then I'll go and and I remember, like, one of my favourite stores, Esprit, is not in Australia anymore. I used to buy, is it not? No, no, they closed Like, they put out of Australia. And I literally, my wardrobe used to be Esprit everything. Um, and now when I think about it, like, it, they probably would have used the, um, yeah, They had very, um, their stitching was very fine, so I'm sure they probably, yeah, did offshore stuff.
1: Um, but yeah, they all do, they yeah, all do, yeah. And you look into it, and the actually surprisingly, and I'm sorry, that's a dreadful interruption. Just, no, no, that's um, okay, go ahead. That the, because they have you know all sorts of ratings for ethical, mm-hmm. sustainable manufacturing Mm. i mean i don't you have to take their word for it that they're doing the right thing to tick those correct boxes but incredibly it tends to not be the ones that you think as in (laughs) the cotton on group which i just always presumed would be one of the worst offenders Mm -hmm. with they they won an award because they're the only ones in australia with the number one Mm -hmm. ranking for i mean they add to the fast fashion, dreadful movement. And there's a lot of um, discarded landfill fashion from mm-hmm. cotton on. However, the actual creating of the garments they do well, and you know some of the most expensive brands are the are the most guilty. And mm. if you, if you, when you trace back what brands use what, mm-hmm. so many of them all come from the very same factory in China, yeah. but of course charge very different. Mm. You know, place themselves in the market as in very different places and charge very different amounts, and so many of them come from the same, mm. very same factories. But anyway, yeah, yeah I was just, like going back to Esprit, I was thinking,
0: um, like I had a jumper. i st- actually I've still got the jumper in my wardrobe, and it's it honestly, I I don't wear it that much because it does my head in because it's got these line on the outside that looks like it should be on the inside where it's all joined it just it just yeah it does my head in so there's I can't I find it really hard to wear those things but in my mind they're just like no that's not right but it's not right it's doesn't fa- fit yeah often like but obviously it's a fashion statement and it's meant to be that way so it's yeah that that's
1: just an interesting
0: yeah Interesting. That is
1: really interesting, Ainsley. Yeah, because I don't necessarily think of <laughs> think of, of that. Because people ask me all the time, you know, when they find out I'm mm, Australia's first blind designer, <laughs> you know, oh they there's a presumption that mm-hmm. I create clothes for uh-huh. people who live with disability. Yes. So, you know, not, yeah. not that I just plain create clothes. No, uh it's and I don't. Just, yeah. I don't I yeah. don't yeah. I don't create inclusive clothing. I'm very, very guilty of not creating inclusive. Clothing. I create things that need fiddly bows doing up, and that's not, but there's a presumption that I do. I'm sure I'll get better at that along the line. But one of the wonderful things that I get very excited about in this software that will help me do my own pattern making, I'm so excited. Yeah. One that I'm looking at also has really good 3D rendering, and you can put the person in different positions, and you can change measurements and do all sorts of things. So you create your design using the online pattern making stuff you Mm -hmm. send them your fabric and then they then they're able to program your own fabric in so they can show you how it drapes and sits
0: Mm it's very
1: clever and looks so you can create a little you know there's a little person that you can create and put your garment on and look at it in a 3d manner but the fabulous thing is you can then you can then sit it down So you can see how it looks, feels, sits for someone in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Um, And also, you know, you can create it so as for for people, you can individualise it. So if you are someone who has a a, a limb that's Mm -hmm. been amputated here, Mm -hmm. you can create it specifically for them, not so they just buy something and cut it there and... Mm -hmm. You know, so that yeah. people can look at my, people be able to look at my designs and so I really like that one mm-hmm. and then put in their measurements, um, you know, so people of short stature or people of just whatever your body looks like and however you use your body, mm-hmm. you'll be able to put that in and then this will be able to um, turn the pattern into something specifically you that's fascinating because i mean it's very cool isn't it it is i'm so excited
0: so many times like i've actually i mean there's the issue with me being in the wheelchair that i can't get into um change rooms so like so i'd have to go to the shop buy the product go go home try it on didn't work go back exchange it yeah so and so I got to a point where I just went, okay, this brand works for me. This brand works for yeah. me. I'm not going to buy anything else other than these two brands because I knew they work for me. Um, but yeah, like you know, I'd see so many beautiful tops in in stores, and I'd be like, oh, that looks really good. That I'd put it on myself, and because I've I've got a short torso, um, so it's like you know, I've got like this short torso, wide torso, uh, and so I put it on me, and it's just like oh that just looks absolutely shocking. so yeah to
1: be able to have something like that would just be absolutely awesome it's exciting isn't it and i yeah. knew I, i've been saying to i don't know if you've heard of wonderful carol taylor who is um actually a world's first quadriplegic fashion designer wow not just australia's she's she lives in brisbane um and Uh, Just, you know, I've been talking to her for a while now and even before I was talking to her, getting excited, trying to work out. And I wanted to connect with TAFE because I just knew that the technology would be out there Mm -hmm. to do this. And I wanted to uh, actually work in with TAFE to get a manufacturing, sample making, pattern making, manufacturing chain linked up through TAFE in the Mm -hmm. same way they have their business models for their beauticians and their mechanics Mm -hmm. and their um, restaurants and things. And You know, when their students are at a particular level, Mm -hmm. they then actually do work for clients, with clients, and it's a business model for TAFE and it just just connects the students to industry so well. It's Mm -hmm. fabulous. I love TAFE, massive fan of TAFE. Mm. Um, I feel very strongly that TAFE has wonderful potential in working uh, very well and very strongly with, with the disability community too. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of TAFE. Um, so I was very excited about, because I knew that TAFE had some of that technology but not used in fashion design or pattern making necessarily, used in other areas. And I thought TAFE would just be a one-stop shop for this, perfect because they can bring that technology in and apply it to that mm.
0: um,
1: but, yeah, because we have been using the same, you know, size 6, 8, 10, 12, mm-hmm. you know, size extra, small, small, whatever, you, you know, with the presumption that everyone looks like this yeah. for, forever. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I, I get impatient sometimes. I just mm-hmm. think, oh, my God, you, you know, mm-hmm. I know there's a way of doing this. Yeah. yeah. Why are we still using this when I barely know anybody? Who looks like the standard version of size? Yeah, Six, exactly. Eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. Like people just don't, that's not how bodies are. No, 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 not at but, all. But we still design, know. manufacture, and sell everything, all mm. our clothing on that model. Yeah. It's bizarre. So, so I'm very excited about this new I'm going to study it next year. Yeah. Being blind, I, I think I can see when I'm in familiar situations, it's amazing what the brain fills in. So I can Mm -hmm. certainly use computers and I can use things that I've already learned. And as soon as it's something I don't know, I think, oh, my God, I am blind. (laughs) I cannot see. (laughs) So I'm going to go back to Fabulous TAFE and learn, get someone to help me learn uh, the actual software.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But it doesn't start till, till next year. I'm so excited. I can't oh. wait to, like,
0: yeah, be, be great to see um, what it all looks like. It's just, yeah. Oh. So wh- when do you think, um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm just really excited about this. So you go to TAFE next year and study it. So when do you think you'll like, actually be able to implement it all into your business? Oh, well,
1: hopefully it'll be pretty quick because I guess I'd like to just use the, first collection and I'll have the second collection stuff ready to mm-hmm. program in there too by then mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and it'll be just so much quicker and smoother. And I mean it depends on my um, tech tech is not my fave I'm a bit of a technological moron. Okay. It takes me a little while to learn it. So mm-hmm. I just don't I I don't know but I guess I I do know how to do pattern making I do know fabrics and draping and I I guess all that all that other knowledge that can take an awful while an awful long while to acquire Mm -hmm. I've got it there so Mm -hmm. I guess it will just be a matter of how long it takes me to use the I mean I think the course for doing it is like a year and a half or something but I Mm just I just want to I just want to Gobble it all up, learn it all. Yeah. I just want to know how to do it, and yeah. so I, I don't rightly know. No. Um, yeah, and and I mean the, the first collection is ready is actually ready to release. I was just waiting on getting it um, photographed the way I want it photographed because mm-hmm. of course the whole point of blind grit is mm-hmm. the almost the rebranding of mm-hmm. those who live outside their comfort zone twenty four seven. Those yeah. who live with disability. Um, those who survive trauma, and the fabulous um, Unilever and the T two arm um, of Unilever, the delicious, yummy teas, uh, in in Melbourne, they um, their wonderful team has offered to work with Blind Grit to photograph the first collection with us, oh, because that's the kind of thing I want for for Blind Grit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you know, the, it's hard to get the um, it's hard to get the qualifications, experience, and the actual resources like the programming, the cameras that mm-hmm. you know. So it, as, and just I just love that. I just can't get enough of that lovely um, combining of of energy mm-hmm. as well. So that you know the fabulous highly skilled, wonderful professionals at T2, Unilever's T2, Mm -hmm. are going to work with us for the photo shoot and then the graphic design that goes afterwards. So they're going to work with Mm -hmm. our models, our hair, our makeup, our styling, our garments, our photographers, our social media, and then post our graphic designers. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, and that's a very type of, um opportunities that i that are really important for me Mm. for the for the our blind i call them blind great angels our blind great angels as in victoria's secret angels but yes (laughs) better looking (laughs) (laughs) i I can't
0: wait to Um, see it
1: all it's going to be amazing so i can't wait and Mm. um and we could and we we were starting to talk dates right before the second lockdown of of Mm. melbourne um so I don't know if I might initially release the first collection just in a slightly different way and then work with Unilever for the second one yet or, or, or not because I don't want to put it off too long because I'm excited and because yeah. people are waiting. Mm, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm not sure. I've got a couple of things going on in my head that I might – that I might do in the interim because I, I certainly don't want to put anyone at risk. It might be a, mm. an almost indefinite, you know, it might be another year or 18 months before right. some of the people that I want to model and some of the people that I want to do the hair and makeup, some of our blind grit angels can gather mm-hmm. and you need them together. Yes. Like they need to kind of they need to be together. Yeah, so absolutely.
0: Think, yeah. yeah. So it might
1: be it, it might be unrealistic for me to be waiting. On that to happen the way I want it to happen at this age. Yeah. Uh, so, are you,
0: are you located in Melbourne,
1: or where, where are you located? No, I'm in Albury-Wodonga. Amusingly, oh, okay. so I I shouldn't say amusingly. It's been mm-hmm. it, it's been quite the the COVID experience being in Albury-Wodonga because I'm in Albury. We're in Albury. Yes, and that's on the New South Wales side. Right. Because yeah. Because I'm a I'm like a 15 minute bike ride away from. From Victoria wow um, yeah so and and my son goes to school in Victoria wow um, yeah so yeah so it's been really funny that because there's been an extreme difference in the COVID um um uh, situation yes. between little old Aubrey and little old Wodonga who are they they you know they're the border town together they're essentially one town that yes. um Yes, and we've just had, you know, busloads of police. I've never seen so many police and army yeah. people here because I've got to man the border 24-7. So, um, so
0: okay, so, you, I mean, obviously you've been doing homeschooling, but your son goes to school in Victoria.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and I have to say, I wouldn't call it homeschooling. I, it, it's interesting to me how people have been talking about homeschooling during yeah. the COVID pandemic and... <laughs> That was never really what anyone was asked yeah. to do or expected to do. They yeah. were, they they were asked to either do remote learning mm-hmm. or just have your kids at home. Yeah. Like, no one was actually asked to do homeschooling. Just say no. this because I homeschool my children for the majority of their schooling, not okay. all of it, but the majority.
0: Right.
1: Um, and it's 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 dif- it's different, but um. I certainly empathise with, you, you know, and I, I guess I built blind grit. Uh, I, I built blind grit homeschooling my children, and I'm a single mum. So I'm. I, trust me, I empathise with the trying to work from home mm-hmm. with your children. Um, but it is, yeah. Mm. But but Darcy, this week. They were supposed to go back to school in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Well, they did go back to school in Victoria, but not yes. on campus. Okay. So this week he did one last week of, um, of remote learning. But my boys have been doing really well. It's been all right for them because they're kind of used to doing learning from home. But mm-hmm. I can't say. Th- I can't say I've been homeschooling them this year because I haven't. No. It's not me who's been teaching them. Yeah. (laughs) I I
0: mean, I don't have any children. I've got my dog, Sheldon. Um, But, yeah, so for me, I've been watching people. And it's been really sad, like, watching people on social media, getting distraught about it, like, um, as if they're failing something. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. we're in, like, a situation we've never faced before, and mm. like, I just I hated seeing all this pressure that people are putting on themselves.
1: It was incredible, wasn't it? And oh. I tried to do a tiny bit of speaking out and sharing some stuff on social media around mm. it's. It's okay, yeah, because, I mean, the the pressure we put, the reliance we have on. Um, On ingrained systems, not just Mm. the education system, but all systems, Mm -hmm. you know, that when the kids could not go to a standardized school in the standardized way, Mm. that there was this massive fear and pressure that the parents felt. Mm. And I can understand that. And when I first took on homeschooling, because my boys had been to standard school. Right. You know, I didn't start them homeschooling. I'd been to standard school. And when I first took it on, I was just, oh, like the, the level of responsibility I felt and worry that I couldn't do it. So I, I can relate because mm-hmm. we are very ingrained that the systems that are there are the best way, the only way that's going to work. And just, mm-hmm. you know, trying to impart to parents that it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. And if your child did not... Do a single bit of organized maths or English learning for 12 months or even bloody three years, <laughs> it'll be okay. Like yeah. just that fear of Not going to be the they world. need to be in the system, they need to be in the system. I don't because, and that it, it it's all right. I mean, and I guess also that thing of you just try and stop your child learning. Mm-hmm. I, like, I. I challenge you to stop your child learning. Mm. They won't yeah. stop learning. Exactly. It'll be yeah. It'll be different to what they might be learning, but it might be better. Yeah. It might They're be like, so much better what they learn. Well, that's and just it. relax. Let them let them play and chill out. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. It's like and those just that fear and responsibility. Mm. Yeah, I, I broke my heart watching it. Yeah, watching like, it too. It's like and the, watching... and the sad, so the sad lack of faith that parents had in their ability to just yes to 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 teach not to teach to just connect and parent and the parents have so much to offer their children it's not just the academic standardized school system that has that to offer you know that sad I can't do it I don't know how to I don't know how to give the value to my children Mm. and you do Mm. You do know how to give the value to your kids. But anyway, So I'm interrupting. I no, think. no, no, that's okay. But it's
0: just, yeah, it's like, I mean, like for myself, like when I was in school, I had heaps of time off because I had, you know, hospital and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I had like a whole term off and, okay, I didn't do great in high school, but it turns out it wasn't necessarily because of that, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't because I had time off that I didn't do well. It was, it turned out to be in hindsight, way i was educated that just wasn't right for me um but yeah so it's like you know that yeah and it's not like that someone's going to come knocking on their door and saying you know you didn't do well therefore you know you're going to be penalized in some way so yeah to see all this kind of stress it just i did my head in um but like even talking about that i just this morning I watched with my partner on, on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. Have you seen that documentary? Oh, I
1: watched that with my children oh my gosh. last just, week.
0: Oh, it was just heart-wrenching. Like, for me, the thing that got me at the start was about the, the filters, like um, <clears throat> the Snapchat filters and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now children or teenagers or whatever are going to get plastic surgery so they can look like these filters. It's just yeah. Oh, yeah it just I, I don't know it's just yeah society is just there's been so much more external pressure I think put on people from
1: the outside and again to yeah. me this is very strongly linked in with um, equity mm-hmm. because our children are being sold again I feel so strongly about this and watching the social dilemma was nothing but validation to me and a catch-up thinking mm-hmm. "Duh." you know what did you all think was happening yeah and I love I love that and my boys loved it too that right at the start it says if if you're not paying for the product you're the product yes you know I mean duh what mm-hmm. what did these people think and the willingness of parents to sell their kids out well and I shouldn't say willing and, and again they're under there is no money in being satisfied with yourself You know? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And that the lack of equity and that I feel, I don't feel, I know, I know we are all increasingly being used as Mm -hmm. just money-making machines for a very wealthy few. Mm -hmm. And it's not the it's certainly not the technology that's the that's the problem, it's what it's programmed to do. Mm -hmm. Um it is programmed. And, again, I mean, talking to you because I've, I've had the privilege of talking to you and with you in other settings, Ainsley, mm. and that passion around um, where value sits in society mm. and and to aim it solely at money, mm. which is just such an archaic, like odd thing to value yourself on. Yeah. I used to talk to my boys about imagine if you you know, if there were aliens in the traditional way that we think of aliens and they mm-hmm. came down to earth they were, I think they would be blown away at this why are they putting all their value on this this thing? Mm. It used to be pieces of paper and now it's not even that. it's just digits on a screen. yeah why is all their power and value tied it's up plastic. in mm. in this? and <laughs> the incredible technology that we've created mm. is geared towards, the almighty dollar that is controlled by very few who control the politics who control the I mean to me it's a no-brainer I've been able to see this I've my children never been able to allowed to use social media but not just okay. also not just the no you can't use it mm-hmm. ever since they were tiny and new I would explain why okay yep. this is what it's about yeah and I didn't say it so beautifully as that quote if mm-hmm. you know if the if, if you don't have to pay for the product you're the product it's mm. such a great quote mm. but I have explained that concept to them ever since they were tiny and mm. explain you know so an awareness is the a, awareness is what you need mm. it's not that we need to stop using it it's mm. not that it's evil But you need to know. And, again, there is is no money in having people be aware. There is no money in having people know. There is no money in having people understand because there's certainly no money in people having control over their own thoughts and actions.
0: Mm, Absolutely. This is,
1: like, to me, the ultimate inequity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I just, Mm. Yeah. I I mean, I I got it. quite emotional
0: after watching it and my partner yeah. he, he works in IT so he's like well you, you know you realize that this is how it is and and it's like well I do but seeing it all sort of thrown like that it was just mm. yeah it was interesting so it would be as and I said as well it'd be interesting to see another documentary come out that sort of um I guess it, uh, opposes that because yes it it, it was interesting, but it, as my partner did say, it was very one-sided in that, like, there was dramatic scenes in between and dramatic music. And so, therefore, to have something opposing it, to see, like, a, de- a healthy debate, that would be interesting. Um, but,
1: yeah, it's... Um, it, yeah, I'm it, with you. I'm you know, with you there and, so you and your partner. But I guess the thing is people, yeah. humans humans tend to need shock. Yes, absolutely, and that and that's it exactly needs it rebalancing. Was. Yes, yeah, it yeah. needs rebalancing, and humans. Yeah, and yeah. I think we're getting more. Again, anthropologically, you'd be you'd have more insight into this than me, but we are creating a society that more and more needs to be shocked. And that horrible <clears> thing, because I get I talk to my kids about um, outrage. Mm-hmm. You know, the way they play with outrage in humans just mm-hmm. infuriates me. There's nothing wrong with being outraged about something, I mm-hmm. guess, but know yeah. what it is starters yeah and um and be outraged in a way that you then do something not out because all they're doing with the outrage yeah is tapping into a super powerful emotion that they can make money out of yeah um you know and I think we're getting more you know we need to be more and more triggered more and more outraged in order to even bother taking notice
0: yeah and I think that so like if I look at the news headlines and I've been avoiding them with COVID um because I've got family um, overseas at the moment. Um, so, oh, go Ainsley, Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I talk to them, make sure they're all good. And yeah. It's just ignore these sensationalisms or whatever yeah. that's going on. But, yeah, the headlines, it's all about creating this uproar and not giving people information to actually do something like productive with. It's just all let's all get people pitchforks and...
1: That's right, oh, that's outrage that's, culture. It's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, mm. yeah, Oh, yeah. No, so that
1: was that was a very um yeah interesting morning watching that documentary. Yeah. Oh, it's really, really. I really like it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I couldn't care less if there's no balanced counter argument. It was a very, yeah. The the counter argument is going on in a powerful way all day, every day in society. And I think I don't need the counter argument. No. (laughs) And and I think the fact that they had those people from
0: Twitter, Facebook. Oh, it was
1: so good, wasn't it? I love that it came from the very people
0: who created it and now that and even like hearing that they mm. don't allow their children
1: to have social yes. media that was, why would you like, it's like a drug dealer giving their kids and, cocaine yeah. and so or like, drug dealers yeah. taking cocaine yeah take it either. yeah so, i mean yeah it was interesting wasn't it i yeah. loved it loved it loved it yeah so to hear them say that it was very
0: very powerful and yeah it was yeah. fascinating Sorry, look um I just wanted to ask you. And I you, use it. Yeah.
1: I use it. It's obviously going well, to that's be, it. you know, I use it's... it all the time in fashion. It's so strong yeah. in fashion. And that's, what I mean, this podcast is all you, like, powered by social Absolutely. media. Absolutely. We're using it as we speak. And yeah. it's, that's why, I mean, it's not the technology. It's like dividing the atom <laughs> isn't a bad thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not the technology. It's that it, it's there is, yeah, follow the money trail.
0: The emotive and, part of me. You know, at, and, it,
1: and it devalues everything else yeah. except for what makes money for the people who are already wealthy. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so that's not the technology. And um, I would like to think that we are using the incredible technology to help people
0: yeah,
1: think good things mm. or help them think through good things or, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah well, there was the a... mighty book-
1: pat- that's why i like public relations and of course the social media is a huge part of public relations it's just yeah communicating and mm. it would be best for it to be communicating and opening minds not communicating and closing minds i think that's what the problem is
0: yeah yeah that's it i think it's on um, the way it's all geared is sort of like yeah trying to get like trying to provide people with information so that, that they don't have, to, that they don't think and then they don't go look elsewhere. I mean, some do, yes. but that's just my opinion anyway. Um, but, yeah, like there was a, a good book that I think I mentioned to you the other day and to a few others. Um, it's called, there's a series um, by an anthropologist, Daniel Miller, called Why We Post. And it's oh, so yeah, fascinating. Yeah. It's about social media, why we post on social media and how we, it's, um. It talks about different cultures and different cultures' use of social media. So uh, it's not about um, social media being one thing and used in one particular way. It's how we use it, Um, and so that's a really good example of how it can be used for. There are some great examples in there how it's used for good. I mean, being able to connect with family, especially when they're overseas, that's that that's an amazing Mm. thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you because I ask every guest that I have on on a podcast is uh, the ten things that they'd like people to know about disability. Not every guest has ten things, um, so I just wanted to see what you want people to know about disability.
1: Yeah, and um, I, I've got I've got three things. I'm I'm sure I could come up with um, ten thousand and ten for you, but I just distilled it down to to three. Um, and I I wrote them down so as I because I think, 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 distill them down and then and then and then forget. But mm-hmm. I guess my my top three things that I would like people to know about disability are that I think, you know, I believe that people who live with disability are inherently good, inclusive thinkers in terms of, you know, They have a lived experience of how it feels, its implications, what it looks like for themselves and others, what it's like both from an individual and social perspective. So with, you know, with, with the desire for society to go forward in a more inclusive manner, there is such a value add there for government, for corporations, just for society in general, to have those who live with disability at decision-making mm-hmm. tables because, you know, it's not necessarily something you can fake or get your head around. So that, mm-hmm. that's one of them. The second is I also, um, along the same lines, think there people who live with disability are inherently good humanistic thinkers Mm -hmm. in terms of being uh, very in touch with what it means to be human. Um, So, again, and this is very, very good in terms of what we're just speaking about, Ainsley, because we are living in an increasingly um, automated world Mm -hmm. um, and technological world, and I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing in and of itself. And I get very excited about the wonderful power and potential that that combined with wonderful humanistic thinking mm-hmm. has. But, I mean, there is there is no doubt that our future is increasingly automated and technological. Mm-hmm. That's that's just going to be how it is. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's a choice of if we combine that strongly with um, humanistic thinking thoughts Mm -hmm. um, and processes and I think again, having those who live with disability at the decision-making tables and the innovation hubs just is really, has really powerful and to me, hugely important potential there. Mm -hmm. And my third one is, um, again, those with a lived experience of disability and I include mental health in that as well. Uh, have, you know, they are experts at discomfort. And this is this is actually the, the kind of the whole premise, I guess, that blind grief is built on as well. Mm-hmm. You cannot grow, improve, get better at anything unless you push out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You can't grow emotionally, mentally, physically. Um academically you just can't unless Mm -hmm. you're pushed out of your comfort zone in fact if you're not pushed out of your comfort zone you atrophize have i said that correctly i think i have i I understand what you mean absolutely yeah if you don't use your muscles they shrink yeah yeah. and that is the same emotionally mentally you know academically socially you, you know so you it's impossible to grow be stronger in any way at all unless you push out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And those who live with disability are living at 24-7. And, again, Mm -hmm. that's what Blind Grid is is all about. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so there is just, again, there's your value add for sitting at your corporate tables, your government tables, anywhere Mm -hmm. where there's vision, innovation happening. Um, So they're, they're my top three that I'd like to communicate.
0: Yeah, I love those. And I especially love how that, like how you've ended with that's what blind grit's all about. That's yeah, mm. a, a fabulous ending. So, look, I wanted to say thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, so, you, you said there was blind, your website, blindgrit.com, is that right?
1: Yep, blindgrit.com. And, and what about any social media accounts people could follow? Yes, please do. And in particular, Please, 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 please get on Instagram. I have to say we don't have as exciting things as we will in the future yet because we haven't le- launched the first collection. Mm-hmm. But you'll make Debbie's day, week, and month um, if if you go and um, follow us on Instagram. So please do. I think it's just blind grit. You'd think I'd know, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> if you go to if you go to our website, our our Instagram things to click on down down the bottom but um get on in there and follow us on instagram because it shan't be long before we have all sorts i mean we've got good stuff on there anyway Mm -hmm. that debbie's put on there um but there'll be um then then you'll be following us for when we release the first collection which will be very cool very
0: exciting um any other social medias that you use or is instagram the main one
1: yeah, actually, I'd also like to say if, if some more people can follow, it can subscribe to our YouTube channel, that'd be great. I've got mm-hmm. no idea what it's called because currently it's got the fabulous catchy title of, you know, www.youtube.z that's question right. mark. Because apparently you have to have 100 subscribers before you can name it. Uh-huh. And I want to be able to name it Blind Grit. Yep. that's Currently <laughs> right. we've got, I think, 63 subscribers. Mm-hmm. But again, if you go to the website, mm-hmm. ooh, I'll double check that. I'll um later go on, on Instagram. If you if you go on the website, go on Instagram. Yeah, there's links there to some of the videos we've got on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So if we can have another thirty odd subscribers on YouTube, that'd be really really nice. Sure. And we also had there's also um, you know, there's some interviews with some of our original initial blind Great angels on there too. Mm-hmm. Um yeah again we'll have more exciting things on there as we go forward once I finally launch the first collection um but yeah yeah subscribe subscribe to our um YouTube channel that'd be fab so I can Mm -hmm. actually name it blind grit and then I can find it myself yeah awesome (laughs) as well as other people finding (laughs) it and um yeah yeah, please do subscribe and tell Debbie how fab she is as well to um uh, follow us rather on on Insta I'm also on LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. we've got um, I'm not much of a Twitterer, mm-hmm. but I do have Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a, my my favour uh um, LinkedIn and YouTube, actually. And okay. we do have a Facebook page. Yep, I mean, join us mm-hmm. on Facebook too. We've got all sorts of things going on, and you'll make Debbie's day by engaging with us on social media. Awesome. What I'll do <laughs> is I'll pop the links
0: in the comments Um of, of this podcast. Oh, thank you, Ainsley. No, no, thank not from problem at all. So, thank you again for joining me today, and thank you everybody for listening and for watching. uh This podcast will be available on Podbean where it's hosted. Uh, you'll also find us on YouTube uh, where it'll be captioned uh, for people uh, who need need to read captions, and it's on <clears throat> Facebook at uh, Ainsley Hooper Consulting. Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, so yeah, Facebook linkedin instagram twitter and youtube and i think that's it so thank you again and if ever, anybody has any questions please leave them in the comments now so if you've liked this please subscribe and follow and uh, please follow nikki and um yes share, share this podcast and hopefully if you have any any people that you'd like to see on the podcast or here on the podcast please let us know and join us for the next week's podcast, which will be dropping on Monday. So, thank you very much. Okay, bye everyone. Bye, Nikki. Bye, thank you.